Royal, 1942. I was born in Vine Yard in High Street West in Earthenborough. As its name suggests, it was very close proximity to the Vine Inn, which proudly offered Pride's Fine Owls and Stout and Gold Medal Mineral Waters and good stabling. Behind the pub and running along one side of the yard was Huswaite's Bakehouse, which had formerly been a brewery. The yard was self-contained with communal washing lines, a well in the middle and lavatories right away down the far end. In all, the yard consisted of six cottages and the rear entrance to the vine off license. The three smaller cottages consisted of only one room downstairs and one up, although the landing was often brought into use as a bedroom. The staircase led directly out of the living room, as did the cupboard come larger come kitchen and the entrance door. For many years all water required was fetched from the well, but when this was declared unfit for drinking, an outdoor tap was fitted into the small garden of the middle cottage. The three larger houses had two rooms and a small kitchen downstairs and two bedrooms. They also had a back door which led onto the yard and a front door which led directly onto the street. My father was Gerald York, 1900-1974, who was one of 13 children. He worked as a pressman and later a foreman at John Spencer's Shoe Factory in Station Road. My mother, Dorothy Nee Mills, died shortly after my birth and I was immediately taken into care by Alice and William Bill Woods and brought up as their only child, although I was fortunate that from the very beginning I was always kept totally aware of my real family and kept in touch with them. I was never legally adopted by Alice and Bill and there was never any suggestion that my name should be changed. We lived in a three-bedroomed house in Ayway along with Alice's mother who lived totally independently in the front room. I had one sister, Marjorie, and brothers, Norman and Alwyn. My father later married Marjorie Green from Wollaston, and they had daughters, Geraldine and Catherine. Although always, Alwyn always has researched the family back to William York, who was baptised at St Mary's Parish Church Findham, but we do not always advertise our relationship with Valerie York, who, Valentine York, who, who in 1792 together with two other boys, was whipped at the stocks for robbing of gardens. The finding constable, having paid, been paid attention, it's performing the task. Royal, 1942. I was born in Vine Yard in High Street, West, in Earthenborough. As its name suggests, it was very close proximity to the Vine Inn, which proudly offered Pride's Fine Owls and Stout and Gold Medal Mineral Waters, and good stabling. Behind the pub and running along one side of the yard was Huswaite's Bakehouse, which had formerly been a brewery. The yard was self-contained with communal washing lines, a well in the middle and lavatories right away down the far end. In all, the yard consisted of six cottages and the rear entrance to the vine off license. The three smaller cottages consisted of only one room downstairs and one up although the landing was often brought into use as a bedroom. The staircase led directly out of the living room, as did the cupboard come larger come kitchen and the entrance door. For many years, all water required was fetched from the well, but when this was declared unfit for drinking, an outdoor tap was fitted into the small garden of the middle cottage. 
The three larger houses had two rooms and a small kitchen downstairs and two bedrooms. They also had a back door which led onto the yard and a front door which led directly onto the street. My father was Gerald York, 1900 to 1974, who was one of 13 children. He worked as a pressman and later a foreman at John Spencer's shoe factory in Station Road. My mother, Dorothy Nee Mills, died shortly after my birth and I was immediately taken into care by Alice and William Bill Woods and brought up as their only child. Although I was fortunate that from the very beginning I was always kept totally aware of my real family and kept in touch with them, I was never legally adopted by Alice and Bill and there was never any suggestion that my name should be changed. We lived in a three-bedroomed house in Hayway along with Alice's mother who lived totally independently in the front room. I had one sister, Marjorie, and brothers, Norman and Alwyn. My father later married Marjorie Green from Wollaston, and they had daughters, Geraldine and Catherine. Always, Alwyn always has researched the family back to William York, who was baptised at St Mary's Baptist at Parish Church Findham, but we do not always advertise our relationship with Valerie York, who, Valentine York, who, who in 1792 together with two other boys, was whipped at the stocks for robbing of gardens. A find and constable having paid, been paid attention, it's per- performing the task. Royal, 1942. I was born in Vine Yard in High Street, West in Athenborough. As its name suggests, it was very close proximity to the Vine Inn, which proudly offered Pride's Fine Owls and Stout and Gold Medal Mineral Waters, and good stabling. Behind the pub and running along one side of the yard was Huswaite's Bakehouse, which had formerly been a brewery. The yard was self-contained with communal washing lines, a well in the middle and lavatories right away down the far end. In all, the yard consisted of six cottages and the rear entrance to the vine off licence. The three smaller cottages consisted of only one room downstairs and one up, although the landing was often brought into use as a bedroom. The staircase led directly out of the living room, as did the cupboard come larger, come kitchen, and the entrance door. For many years all water required was fetched from the well, but when this was declared unfit for drinking, an outdoor tap was fitted into the small garden of the middle cottage. The three larger houses had two rooms and a small kitchen downstairs and two bedrooms, they also had a back door which led onto the yard and a front door which led directly onto the street. My father was Gerald York, 1900 to 1974, who was one of 13 children. He worked as a pressman and later a foreman at John Spencer's shoe factory in Station Road. My mother, Dorothy Nee Mills, died shortly after my birth and I was immediately taken into care by Alice and William Bill Woods and brought up as their only child, although I was fortunate that from the very beginning I was always kept totally aware of my real family and kept in touch with them. I was never legally adopted by Alice and Bill, and there was never any suggestion that my name should be changed. We lived in a three-bedroomed house in Hayway, along with Alice's mother, who lived totally independently in the front room. I had one sister, Marjorie, and brothers, Norman and Alwyn. My father, later married Marjorie Green from Wollaston, and they had daughters, Geraldine and Catherine. 
Owen, who always has researched the family, back to William York, who was baptised at St Mary's Baptist Parish Church, Byndham, but we do not always advertise our relationship with Valentine York, who, Valentine York, who in 1792, together with two other boys, was whipped at the stocks for robbing of gardens, a fine and constable having paid, been paid attention its performing the task. I attended the Ertinborough Infant School in College Street from the age of three. The well-loved and remembered Miss Barnes presided over the reception class and over our sleeps on small portable beds every afternoon. Other teachers I recall were the head teacher Miss Thomas, Mrs Lads, Mrs Barker and bottom Miss Lovell. Annie Lovell retired in 1952 after 52 years service at the same school. Her sister Amelia, universally known as Top Miss Lovell, had taught at the school for 48 years. On Sunday, but Sundays, both sisters taught at St Peter's Church Sunday School and organised many dramatic and choral events for the children under their charge. The sisters certainly served several generations of Earthingborough children well. After the first morning, I cannot ever remember being taken to school by my mother. I always regarded Alice as my mother and Bill as my uncle. It was the norm in those days for children to walk or even cycle to school with their friends. After school, as soon as I arrived home, I would change into playcos and be off with my friends. There was an unspoken understanding that I needed to be home by 5.30 for tea. The rule seemed, like, seemed to apply to all children and was a good preparation for life. As a child, I attended the Salvation Army, where I was taught to play the trom trombone by Lieutenant Thornhill, the commanding officer. I was truly—I was only seven years old at the time, and Alice had a fit when I first arrived home with it. She was presumably listing all the listing all the ornaments which I could knock off the mantelpiece when manipulating the slide. My grandmother, however, was most supportive of my newly found hobby and encouraged me to practice in her room, although the noise I made could be heard all over the house. She took me to Rushton Salvation Army for a weekly lesson from Mr Hill, the head trombonist in their band. It seemed as if every child attended Sunday school in those days, and all of my friends certainly did, and large numbers attended St Peter's, the Baptist Chapel, the Methodist Church and the chapel on Crow Hill, as well as the Salvation Army. I passed the 11 plus examination and won a place at Wellingborough Grammar School. School buses were laid on to take to take us to school in the summer term. We played cricket until five o'clock. So many, so many more boys found it convenient to bike to school on that day. <coughs> this also applied when we had swimming lessons at Wilby Lido. The pool was situated some Miles away and one had a choice of biking, begging a lift in Mr Hyde's car or running all the way via Coralin Park and then repeating the exercise at the end of the lesson. Many of us, too, chose to bike to um, Great Doddington for a geography project, although some boys waited at the bus stop opposite the school gates, but they usually had to walk back afterwards if the bus time did not coincide with the end of the lesson. When I was 14 years old, I was offered a part-time job as errand boy at the Allen Road branch of the Carpenter Society. School finished at 3.50pm and by 4.45 I had travelled home to Earthingborough, 
had a quick tea, changed my clothes and reported for duty. I used a traditional delivery bike which had a basket at the front. This was all very well for carrying boxes of groceries, but just one box at a time, mind you, but proved to be quite a challenge if the customer had ordered eggs in egg boxes, as we know that they had been not designed, and the eggs just sat balanced on an egg tray. The wooden delivery boxes had originally arrived at Whitmer's Holding Currents. Being surplus to their requirements, they were then delivered to the grocery shop to be recycled as delivery boxes. The gl- the gl- this pleased the customers, who then chopped them up as a kindling for their fires. I worked four evenings a week and a Saturday morning. For this I received one pound, but tips from custom- satisfied, satisfied customers invariably doubled this amount. The co-op certainly provided an excellent service for the people of Earthenborough. In those days, with four grocery shops, four butchers, uh, bakery, men's and women's outfitters, furniture, fish shop, cakes and confectionery, travel agency, stationery, toys, pharmacy, as well as taxi and coach hire. A delivery service, second to none, made sure that grocery, furniture and paraffin arrived at a convenient time for the customer and was offered totally free of charge. Bread and cakes were baked daily in their own bakery and delivered daily throughout the town, the Addinsons and to the outlying farms. Daily deliveries of milk were also made. Coal was brought to Earthenborough Station from from where it was weighed, bagged and delivered by the coal men. The co-op sorted by an array of other retail and service outlets in the town meant that inhabitants could be provided with almost everything that they could possibly require. After leaving Wellingborough Grammar School in July 1960, I spent a year gaining teaching experience at Earthingborough County Mixed School and a year at Thrapston Junior School before attending King Alfred's College, Winchester, where I qualified as a teacher specialising in physical education. Then I returned to Earthingborough, where I spent three years teaching at the Junior School this was followed by seven years at the newly opened Ruskin Junior School on Queensway in Wellingborough, which catered mainly for children from the overspill families who had moved into the town from London. In 1975, I was appointed Deputy Headmaster of Kettering Avondale Junior School and remained there until my retirement from teaching in 1997. I married Margaret Meg Waterson in Newcastle upon Tyne on the 28th of May 1973, a bank holiday Monday. This had been brought about because Meg was a nurse at Northampton General Hospital and the ward sister would not agree to have her having enough time off to allow us to travel north for a Saturday wedding. Would today's young nurses be so compliant, I wonder? Meg Meg later became a school nurse and then a district nursing sister. We have two children, David born 1974 and Helen born 1977. In 1988, Jackie Minchinton of the Northamptonshire Record Office ran an evening course at Huxlow School on 17th century Earthenborough. The course was most enjoyable and informative but, but always struggled to attract the minimal amount of students needed. But with the 
required, but with attendees being prepared to chip in extra, we were able to pay the fees of the absentee student. In 1990, it was decided that members of the course would continue to meet under Jackie's direction in St Peter's Church, and so Earthenborough Historical Society came into being with Christopher Hill as chairman and Gordon Eccleton as secretary. I was elected chairman of the society in 1992 and was most ably supported for many years by Jean Rowland as secretary and Jennifer Lee as treasurer. The group meets every Tuesday evening except in January and is very much a working group of about 20 members. A large photographic archive has been set up together with a very extensive archive of documents relating to the town. Mrs Jackie Morton is the long-serving archivist of the society. Earthenborough is one of the oldest settlements in Northamptonshire and certainly provides the historical society with plenty of projects to research. One of the most recent was the research of the story of every one of the 151 men of the town who made the supreme sacrifices in World War One. A bespoke leather-bound book recording each man is on, a, on permanent display in St Peter's Church and a page is turned every week by society members to reveal the story of each man in turn. Apart from my time at teacher training college in Winchester, I have lived in Earthenborough all my life and have seen it change from a busy and vibrant bustling community into which dozens and perhaps hundreds of people poured into work every morning to work in the many shoe factories, tanneries, retail out outlets, quarries, iron and iron ore mine and and witness to what is now simply an expanding dormitory town from which new inhabitants now commute daily to surrounding towns and even to London to work. In the late 19th centuries, Death watch beetle, wet rot and dry rot infestation was found to be prevalent in the roof beams of St Peter's Church. A massive appeal was launched which was planned to last for six years. Such was the generosity of the local people, groups, clubs and individuals that the debt was paid off within three. When it was realised that the walls of the, of the chancel were in danger of falling, it was necessary to close the church for six months. Um, an immediate invitation was received from Earthenborough Methodist Church for St Peter's congregation to share their premises. The story, I think, sums up Earthenborough very well. The inhabitants are not of a naturally demonstrative nature, but when support is generally required, be it individual or corporate group, they will rally round the cause. This is why Meg and I have remained in Earthenborough for so long, and plan to continue doing so for quite some time yet. Royal, 1942. I was born in Vine Yard in High Street, West in Earthenborough. As its name suggests, it was very close proximity to the Vine Inn, which proudly offered Pride's Vine Owls and Stout and Gold Medal Mineral Waters and good stabling. Behind the pub and running along one side of the yard was Huswaite's Bakehouse, which had formerly been a brewery. The yard was self-contained with communal washing lines, a well in the middle and lavatories right away down the far end. In all, the yard consisted of six cottages and the rear entrance to the vine off licence, 
the three smaller cottages consisted of only one room downstairs and one up, although the landing was often brought into use as a bedroom. The staircase led directly out of the living room, as did the cupboard come larger, come kitchen, and the entrance door. For many years all water required was fetched from the well, but when this was declared unfit for drinking, an outdoor tap was fitted into the small garden of the middle cottage. The three larger houses had two rooms and a small kitchen downstairs and two bedrooms. They also had a back door which led onto the yard and a front door which led directly onto the street. My father was Gerald York, 1900 to 1974, who was one of 13 children he worked as a pressman and later a foreman at john spencer's shoe factory in station road my mother dorothy knee mills died shortly after my birth and i was immediately taken into care by alice and william bill woods and brought up as their only child although i was fortunate that from the very beginning i was always kept totally aware of my real family and kept in touch with them i was never legally adopted by alice and bill and there was never any suggestion that my name should be changed. We lived in a three-bedroomed house in Ayway, along with Alice's mother, who lived totally independently in the front room. I had one sister, Marjorie, and brothers, Norman and Alwyn. My father later married Marjorie Green from Wollaston, and they had daughters, Geraldine and Catherine. Although always, Alwyn always has researched the family back to William York, who was baptised at St Mary's Baptist Church Parish Church Findham, but we do not always advertise our relationship with Valerie York, who Valentine York, who, who in seventeen ninety two, together with two other boys, was whipped at the stocks for robbing of gardens. The Findham constable having paid been paid attention, it's pre- performing the task. I attended the Earthenborough Infant School in College Street from the age of three. The well-loved and remembered Miss Barnes presided over the reception class and over our sleeps on small portable beds every afternoon. Other teachers, I recall, were the head teacher, Miss Thomas, Mrs Lads, Mrs Barker and bottom Miss Lovell. Annie Lovell retired in 1952 after 52 years' service at the same school. The sister Amelia, universally known as Top Miss Lovell, had taught at the school for 48 years. On Sunday, but Sundays, both sisters taught at St Peter's Church Sunday School and organised many dramatic and choral events for the children under their charge. The sisters certainly served several generations of Earthenborough children well. After the first morning, I cannot ever remember being taken to school by my mother. I always regarded Alice as my mother and Bill as my uncle. It was the norm in those days for children to walk or even cycle to school with their friends. After school, as soon as I arrived home, I would change into playcos and be off with my friends. There was an unspoken understanding that I needed to be home by 5.30 for tea. The rule seemed seemed to apply to all children and was a good preparation for life. As a child, I attended the Salvation Army, where I was taught to play the trombone by Lieutenant Thornhill, the commanding officer. I was truly—I was only seven years old at the time, and Alice had a fit when I first arrived home with it. She was presumably listing all the or- fit, listing all the ornaments which I could knock off the mantelpiece when manipulating the slide. My grandmother, however, was most supportive of my newly found hobby and encouraged me to practice in her room. 
although the noise I made could be heard all over the house. She took me to Rushton Salvation Army for a weekly lesson from Mr Hill, the head trombonist in their band. It seemed as if the ev- every child attended sc- Sunday school in those days, and all of my fa- friends certainly did, and large numbers attended St Peter's, the Baptist Chapel, the Methodist, Methodist Church and the chapel on Crow Hill, as well as the Salvation Army. I passed the 11 plus examination and won a place at Wellingborough Grammar School. School buses were laid on to take to take us to school in the summer term. We played cricket until five o'clock. So many, so many more boys found it convenient to bike to school on that day. <coughs> this also applied when we had swimming lessons at Wilby Lido. The pool was situated some miles away, and one had the choice of biking, begging a lift in Mr Hyde's car, or running all the way by a and park and then repeating the exercise at the end of the lesson. Many of us, too, chose to bike to um, Great Doddington for a geography project, although some boys waited at the bus stop opposite the school gates, but they usually had to walk back afterwards if the bus time did not coincide with the end of the lesson. When I was 14 years old, I was offered a part-time job as errand boy at the Allen Road branch of the Carpenter Society, School finished at 3.50pm and by 4.45 I had travelled home to Earthingborough, had a quick tea, changed my clothes and reported for duty. I used a traditional delivery bike which had a basket at the front. This was all very well for carrying boxes of groceries, but just one box at a time, mind you, but proved to be quite a challenge if the customer had ordered eggs in egg boxes as we know that they had been not designed and the eggs just sat balanced on an egg tray. The wooden delivery boxes had originally arrived at Whitmer's Holding Currents. Being surplus to their requirements, they were then delivered to the grocery shop to be recycled as delivery boxes. This pleased the customers, who then chopped them up as a kindling for their fires. I worked four evenings a week and a Saturday morning. For this I received one pound, but tips from satisfied customers invariably doubled this amount. The co-op certainly provided an excellent service for the people of Earthingborough. In those days, with four grocery shops, four butchers, uh, bakery, men's and women's outfitters, furniture, fish shop, cakes and confectionery, travel agency, stationery, toys, pharmacy, as well as taxi and coach hire, a delivery service second to none made sure that grocery, furniture and paraffin arrived at a convenient time for the customer and was offered totally free of charge. Bread and cakes were baked daily in their own bakery and delivered daily throughout the town, the Addinsons and to the outlying farms. Daily deliveries of milk were also made. Coal was brought to Earthingborough Station from Earthingborough Station from where it was weighed, bagged and delivered by the co coal men. The co-op sorted by an array of other retail and service outlets in the town meant that inhabitants could be provided with almost everything that they could possibly require. After leaving Wellingborough Grammar School in July 1960, I spent a year gaining teaching experience at Earthingborough County Mixed School and a year at Thrapston Junior School before attending King Alfred's College Winchester 
where I qualified as a teacher specialising in physical education. Then I returned to Earthingborough where I spent three years teaching at the junior school. This was followed by seven years at the newly opened Ruskin Junior School on Queensway in Wellingborough which catered mainly for children from the overspill families who had moved into the town from London. In 1975 I was appointed Deputy Headmaster of Kettering Abendale Junior School and remained there until my retirement from teaching in 1997. I married Margaret Meg Waterson in Newcastle-upon-Tyne on the 28th of May 1973, a bank holiday Monday. This had been brought about because Meg was a nurse at Northampton General Hospital and the ward sister would not agree to have her having enough time off to allow us to travel north for a Saturday wedding. Would today's young nurses be so compliant, I wonder? Meg, Meg later became a school nurse and then a district nursing sister. We have two children, David born 1974 and Helen born 1977. In 1988, Jackie Minchinton of the Northamptonshire Record Office ran an evening course at Huxlow School on 17th century Earthingborough. The course was most enjoyable and informative, but, but always struggled to attract the minimal amount of students needed, but with it required, but with attendees being prepared to chip in extra, we were able to pay the fees of the absentee students. In 1990, it was decided that members of the course would continue to meet under Jackie's direction in St Peter's Church, and so Earthingborough Historical Society came into being with Christopher Hill as chairman and Gordon Eccleton as secretary. I was elected chairman of the society in 1992 and was most ably supported for many years by Jean Rowland as secretary and Jennifer Lee as treasurer. The group meets every Tuesday evening except in January and is very much a working group of about 20 members. A large photographic archive has been set up together with a very extensive archive of documents relating to the town. Mrs Jackie Morton is the long-serving archivist of the society. Earthenborough is one of the oldest settlements in Northamptonshire and certainly provides the historical society with plenty of projects to research. One of the most recent was the research of the story of every one of the 151 men of the town who made the supreme sacrifices in World War One. A bespoke leather-bound book recording each man is on, a, on permanent display in St Peter's Church and a page is turned every week by society members to reveal the story of each man in turn. Apart from my time at Teacher Training College in Winchester, I have lived in Earthingborough all my life and have seen it change from a busy and vibrant bustling community into which dozens and perhaps hundreds of people poured into work every morning to work in the many shoe factories, tanneries, retail out outlets, quarries, iron and iron ore mine and and whippers to what is now simply an expanding dormitory town from which new inhabitants now commute daily to surrounding towns and even to London to work. In the late 19th centuries, death watch beetle, wet rot and dry rot infestation was found to be prevalent in the roof beams of St Peter's Church. A massive appeal was launched which was planned to last for six years 
Such was the generosity of the local people, groups, clubs and individuals that the debt was paid off within three. When it was realised that the walls of the of the chancel were in danger of falling, it was necessary to close the church for six months. Um, an immediate invitation was received from Earthenburg Methodist Church for St Peter's congregation to share their premises. The story, I think, sums up Earthenburg very well. The inhabitants are not of a naturally demonstrative nature, but when support is generally required, be it individual or corporate group, they will rally around the cause. This is why Meg and I have remained in Earthenburg for so long and plan to continue doing so for quite some time yet. New York, 1942. I was born in Vineyard in High Street West in Earthenburg. As its name suggests, it was very close proximity to the Vine Inn, which proudly offered Pride's Fine Owls and Stout and Gold Medal Mineral Waters and good stabling. Behind the pub and running along one side of the yard was Huswaite's Bakehouse, which had formerly been a brewery. The yard was self-contained with communal washing lines, a well in the middle and lavatories right away down the far end. In all, the yard consisted of six cottages and the rear entrance to the vine off license. The three smaller cottages consisted of only one room downstairs and one up, although the landing was often brought into use as a bedroom. The staircase led directly out of the living room, as did the cupboard come larger come kitchen and the entrance door. For many years all water required was fetched from the well, but when this was declared unfit for drinking, an outdoor tap was fitted into the small garden of the middle cottage. The three larger houses had two rooms and a small kitchen downstairs and two bedrooms. They also had a back door which led onto the yard and a front door which led directly onto the street. My father was Gerald York, 1900 to 1974, who was one of 13 children. He worked as a pressman and later a foreman at John Spencer's shoe factory in Station Road. My mother, Dorothy Nee Mills, died shortly after my birth and I was immediately taken into care by Alice and William Bill Woods and brought up as their only child, although I was fortunate that from the very beginning I was always kept totally aware of my real family and kept in touch with them. I was never legally adopted by Alice and Bill and there was never any suggestion that my name should be changed. We lived in a three-bedroomed house in Hayway along with Alice's mother who lived totally independently in the front room. I had one sister, Marjorie, and brothers Norman and Alwyn. My father later married Marjorie Green from Wollaston and they had daughters, Geraldine and Catherine. Although always, Owen always has researched the family back to William York, who was baptised at St Mary's Baptist Parish Church Findham, but we do not always advertise our relationship with Valerie York, who, Valentine York, who in 1792, together with two other boys, was whipped at the stocks for robbing of gardens, the find and constable having paid, been paid attention its performing the task. I attended the Earthenborough Infant School in College Street from the age of three. The well-loved and remembered Miss Barnes presided over the reception class and over our sleeps on small portable beds every afternoon. 
Other teachers I recall were the head teacher, Miss Thomas, Mrs. Ladds, Mrs. Barker, and bottom, Miss Lovell. Annie Lovell retired in 1952 after 52 years' service at the same school. Her sister Amelia, universally known as Top Miss Lovell, had taught at the school for 48 years. On Sunday, but Sundays, both sisters taught at St Peter's Church Sunday School and organised many dramatic and choral events for the children under their charge. The sisters certainly served several generations of Earthingborough children well. After the first morning, I cannot ever remember being taken to school by my mother. I was regarded Alice as my mother and Bill as my uncle. It was the norm in those days for children to walk or even cycle to school with their friends. After school, as soon as I arrived home, I would change into playcoats and be off with my friends. There was an unspoken understanding that I needed to be home by 5.30 for tea. The rule seemed, like, seemed to apply to all children and was a good preparation for life. As a child, I attended the Salvation Army where I was taught to play the trom trombone by Lieutenant Thornhill, the commanding officer. I was truly I was only seven years old at the time and Alice had a fit when I first arrived home with it. She was presumably listing all the fit, listing all the ornaments which I could knock off the mantelpiece when manipulating the slide. My grandmother, however, was most supportive of my newly found hobby and encouraged me to practice in her room, although the noise I made could be heard all over the house. She took me to Rushton Salvation Army for a weekly lesson from Mr Hill, the head trombonist in their band. It seemed as if every child attended Sunday school in those days, and all of my friends certainly did, and large numbers attended St Peter's, the Baptist Chapel, the Methodist Church and the Chapel on Crow Hill, as well as the Salvation Army. I passed the 11 plus examination and won a place at Wellingborough Grammar School. School buses were laid on to take, to take us to school in the summer term, we played cricket until five o'clock. So many, so many more boys found it convenient to bike to school on that day. <coughs> this also applied when we had swimming lessons at Wilby Lido. The pool was situated some miles away, and one had the choice of biking, begging a lift in Mr. Hyde's car, or running all the way via Coralland Park and then repeating the exercise at the end of the lesson. Many of us, too, chose to bike to um, Great Doddington for a geography project, although some boys waited at the bus stop opposite the school gates, but they usually had to walk back afterwards if the bus time did not coincide with the end of the lesson. When I was 14 years old, I was offered a part-time job as errand boy at the Allen Road branch of the Carpenter Society. School finished at 3.50pm and by 445 I had travelled home to Earthingborough, had a quick tea, changed my clothes and reported for duty. I used a traditional delivery bike which had a basket at the front. This was all very well for carrying boxes of groceries, but just one box at a time, mind you, but proved to be quite a challenge if, if the customer had ordered eggs in egg boxes as we know that they had been not designed and the eggs just sat balanced on an egg tray. The wooden delivery boxes had originally arrived at Whitmer's Holding Currents. Being surplus to their requirements, they were then delivered to the grocery shop to be recycled as delivery boxes. The the this pleased the customers, who then chopped them up, 
as a kindling to their fires. I worked four evenings a week and a Saturday morning. For this I received one pound, but tips from satisfied customers invariably doubled this amount. The co-op certainly provided an excellent service for the people of Erdinburgh. In those days, with four grocery shops, four butchers, uh, bakery, men's and women's outfitters, furniture, fish shop, cakes and confectionery, travel agency, stationery, toys, pharmacy, as well as taxi and coach hire. A delivery service, second to none, made sure that grocery, furniture and paraffin arrived at a convenient time for the customer and was offered totally free of charge. Bread and cakes were baked daily in their own bakery and delivered daily throughout the town, the Addinsons and to the outlying farms. Daily deliveries of milk were also made. Coal was brought to Earthenborough Station from Earthenborough Station from where it was weighed, bagged and delivered by the coal, coal, coal men. The co-op sorted by an array of other Retail and service outlets in the town meant that inhabitants could be provided with almost everything that they could possibly require. After leaving Wellingborough Grammar School in July 1960, I spent a year gaining teaching experience at Earthingborough County Mixed School and a year at Thrapston Junior School before attending King Alfred's College, Winchester, where I qualified as a teacher specialising in physical education. Then I returned to Earthingborough where I spent three years teaching at the junior school. This was followed by seven years at the newly opened Rus Ruskin Junior School on Queensway in Wellingborough, which catered mainly for children from the overspill families who had moved into the town from London. In 1975 I was appointed Deputy Headmaster of Kettering Avondale Junior School and remained there until my retirement from teaching in 1997. I married Margaret Meg Waterson in Newcastle upon Tyne on the 28th of May 1973, a bank holiday Monday. This had been brought about because Meg was a nurse at Northampton General Hospital and the ward sister would not agree to have her having enough time off to allow us to travel north for a Saturday wedding. Would today's young nurses be so compliant, I wonder? Meg Meg later became a school nurse and then a district nursing sister. We have two children, David born 1974 and Helen born 1977. In 1988, Jackie Minchinton of the Northamptonshire Record Office ran an evening course at Huxley School on 17th century Earthenborough. The course was most enjoyable and informative but, but always struggled to attract the minimal amount of students needed. But with it required, but with attendees being prepared to chip in extra, we were able to pay the fees of the absentee students. In 1990, it was decided that members of the course would continue to meet under Jackie's direction in St Peter's Church, and so Earthenborough Historical Society came into being with Christopher Hill as chairman and Gordon Eccleston as secretary. I was elected chairman of the society in 1992 and was most ably supported for many years by Jean Rowland as secretary and Jennifer Lee as treasurer. The group meets every Tuesday evening except in January and is very much a working group of about 20 members. A large photographic 
archive has been set up together with a very extensive archive of documents relating to the town. Mrs Jackie Morton is the long-serving archivist of the society. Erdenborough is one of the oldest settlements in Northamptonshire and certainly provides the historical society with plenty of projects to research. One of the most recent was the research of the story of every one of the 151 men of the town who made the supreme sacrifices in World War One, a bespoke leather-bound book recording each man is on a, on permanent display in St Peter's Church and the page is turned every week by society members to reveal the story of each man in turn. Apart from my time at teacher training college in Winchester, I have lived in Earthenborough all my life and have seen it change from a busy and vibrant bustling community into which dozens and perhaps hundreds of people poured into work every morning to work in the many shoe factories, tanneries, retail out outlets, quarries, iron and iron ore mine and and Whitworth's to what is now simply an expanding dormitory town from which new inhabitants now commute daily to surrounding towns and even to London to work. In the late 19th centuries, Death watch beetle, wet rot and dry rot infestation was found to be prevalent in the roof beams of St Peter's Church. A massive appeal was launched which was planned to last for six years. Such was the generosity of the local people, groups, clubs and individuals that the debt was paid off within three. When it was realised that the walls of the, of the chancel were in danger of falling, it was necessary to close the church for six months. Um, an immediate invitation was received from Earthenburg Methodist Church for St Peter's congregation to share their premises. The story, I think, sums up Earthenburg very well. The inhabitants are not of a naturally demonstrative nature, but when support is generally required, be it individual or corporate group, they will rally round the cause. This is why Meg and I have remained in Earthenburg for so long, and plan to continue doing so for quite some time yet. New York, 1942. I was born in Vine Yard in High Street, West in Earthenborough. As its name suggests, it was very close proximity to the Vine Inn, which proudly offered Pride's fine owls and stout and gold medal mineral waters and good stabling. Behind the pub and running along one side of the yard was Huswaite's Bakehouse, which had formerly been a brewery. The yard was self-contained with communal, communal washing lines, a well in the middle and lavatories right away down the far end. In all, the yard consisted of six cottages and the rear entrance to the vine off licence. The three smaller cottages consisted of only one room downstairs and one up although the landing was often brought into use as a bedroom. The staircase led directly out of the living room, as did the cupboard come larger, come kitchen, and the entrance door. For many years all water required was fetched from the well, but when this was declared unfit for drinking, an outdoor tap was fitted into the small garden of the middle cottage. The three larger houses had two rooms and a small kitchen downstairs and two bedrooms, they also had a back door which led on to the yard and a front door which led directly onto the street. My father was Gerald York, 1900-1974, who was one of 13 children. He worked as a pressman 
a later foreman at John Spencer's shoe factory in Station Road. My mother, Dorothy Nee Mills, died shortly after my birth and I was immediately taken into care by Alice and William Bill Woods and brought up as their only child. Although I was fortunate that from the very beginning I was always kept totally aware of my real family and kept in touch with them, I was never legally adopted by Alice and Bill and there was never any suggestion that my name should be changed. We lived in a three-bedroomed house in Ayway, along with Alice's mother, who lived totally independently in the front room. I had one sister, Marjorie, and brothers, Norman and Alwyn. My father later married Marjorie Green from Wollaston, and they had daughters, Geraldine and Catherine. Although always, Owen always has researched the family back to William York, who was baptised at St Mary's Parish Church Findham, but we do not always advertise our relationship with Valentine York, who, Valentine York, who in 1792, together with two other boys, was whipped at the stocks for robbing of gardens. The Findham constable, having paid, been paid attention, it's performing the task. I attended the Ertinborough Infant School in College Street from the age of three. The well-loved and remembered Miss Barnes presided over the reception class and over our sleeps on small portable beds every afternoon. Other teachers I recall were the head teacher Miss Thomas, Mrs Lads, Mrs Barker and bottom Miss Lovell. Annie Lovell retired in 1952 after 52 years service at the same school. The sister Amelia, universally known as top Miss Lovell, had taught at the school for 48 years. On Sunday, but Sundays, both sisters taught at St Peter's Church Sunday School and organised many dramatic and choral events for the children under their charge. The sisters certainly served several generations of Earthingborough children well. After the first morning, I cannot ever remember being taken to school by my mother. I always regarded Alice as my mother and Bill as my uncle. It was the norm in those days for children to walk or even cycle to school with their friends. After school, as soon as I arrived home, I would change into playcos and be off with my friends. There was an unspoken understanding that I needed to be home by 5.30 for tea. The rule seemed, like, seemed to apply to all children and was a good preparation for life. As a child, I attended the Salvation Army, where I was taught to play the trom trombone by Lieutenant Thornhill, the commanding officer. I was truly I was only seven years old at the time and Alice had a fit when I first arrived home with it. She was presumably listing all the or, listing all the ornaments which I could knock off the mantelpiece when manipulating the slide. My grandmother, however, was most supportive of my newly found hobby and encouraged me to practice in her room, although the noise I made could be heard all over the house. She took me to Rushton Salvation Army for a weekly lesson from Mr Hill, the head trombonist in their band. It seemed as if every child attended Sunday school in those days, and all of my friends certainly did, and large numbers attended St Peter's, the Baptist Chapel, the Methodist Church and the chapel on Crow Hill, as well as the Salvation Army. I passed the 11 plus examination and won a place at Wellingborough Grammar School. School buses were laid on to take to take us to school in the summer term we played cricket until five o'clock. So many so many more boys found it convenient to bike to school on that day. 
<coughs> this also applied when we had swimming lessons at Wilby Lido. The pool was situated some miles away and one had a choice of biking, begging a lift in Mr Hyde's car or running all the way via Coralin Park and then repeating the exercise at the end of the lesson. Many of us, too, chose to bike to um, Great Doddington for a geography project, although some boys waited at the bus stop opposite the school gates, but they usually had to walk back afterwards if the bus time did not coincide with the end of the lesson. When I was 14 years old, I was offered a part-time job as errand boy at the Allen Road branch of the Carpentry Society. School finished at 3.50pm and by 4.45 I had travelled home to Earthingborough, had a quick tea, changed my clothes and reported for duty. I used a traditional delivery bike which had a basket at the front. This was all very well for carrying boxes of groceries, but just one box at a time, mind you, but proved to be quite a challenge if the customer had ordered eggs in egg boxes as we know that they had been not designed and the eggs just sat balanced on an egg tray. The wooden delivery boxes had originally arrived at Whitmer's Holding Currents. Being surplus to their requirements, they were then delivered to the grocery shop to be recycled as delivery boxes. The gl- the gl- this pleased the customers, who then chopped them up as a kindling for their fires. I worked four evenings a week and a Saturday morning. For this I received one pound, but tips from satisfied customers invariably doubled this amount. The co-op certainly provided an excellent service for the people of Earthingborough. In those days, with four grocery shops, four butchers, uh, bakery, men's and women's outfitters, furniture, fish shop, cakes and confectionery, travel agency, stationery, toys, pharmacy, as well as taxi and coach hire, a delivery service second to none made sure that grocery, furniture and paraffin arrived at a t- convenient time for the customer and was offered totally free of charge. Bread and cakes were baked daily in their own bakery and delivered daily throughout the town, the Addinsons and to the outlying farms. Daily deliveries of milk were also made. Coal was brought to Earthingborough Station from Earthingborough Station from where it was weighed, bagged and delivered by the co-op Coalmen, the carts sorted by an array of other retail and service outlets in the town meant that inhabitants could be provided with almost everything that they could possibly require. After leaving Wellingborough Grammar School in July 1960, I spent a year gaining teaching experience at Earthingborough County Mixed School and a year at Thrapston Junior School before attending King Alfred's College, Winchester where I qualified as a teacher, specialising in physical education. Then I returned to Earthingborough, where I spent three years teaching at the junior school. This was followed by seven years at the newly opened Ruskin Junior School on Queensway in Wellingborough, which catered mainly for children from the overspill families who had moved into the town from London. In 1975, I was appointed Deputy Headmaster of Kettering, Avondale Junior School and remained there until my retirement from teaching in 1997. I married Margaret Meg Waterson in Newcastle upon Tyne on the 28th of May 1973, a bank holiday Monday. 
This had been brought about because Meg was a nurse at Northampton General Hospital and the ward sister would not agree to have her having enough time off to allow us to travel north for a Saturday wedding. Would today's young nurses be so compliant, I wonder? Meg, Meg later became a school nurse and then a district nursing sister. We have two children, David born 1974 and Helen born 1977. In 1988, Jackie Minchinton of the Northamptonshire Record Office ran an evening course at Huxlow School on 17th century Earthenborough. The course was most enjoyable and informative, but, but always struggled to attract the minimal amount of students needed, but with it required, but with attendees being prepared to chip in extra, we were able to pay the fees of the absentee students. In 1990, it was decided that members of the course would continue to meet under Jackie's direction in St Peter's Church, and so Earthenborough Historical Society came into being with Christopher Hill as chairman and Gordon Eccleston as secretary. I was elected chairman of the society in 1992 and was most ably supported for many years by Dean Rowland as secretary and Jennifer Lee as treasurer. The group meets every Tuesday evening except in January and is very much a working group of about 20 members. A large photographic card has been set up together with a very extensive archive of documents relating to the town. Mrs Jackie Morton is the long-serving arch archivist of the society. Earthenborough is one of the oldest settlements in Northamptonshire and certainly provides the historical society with plenty of projects to research. One of the most recent was the research of the story of every one of the 151 men of the town who made the supreme sacrifices in World War One, a bespoke leather-bound book recording each man is on a on permanent display in St Peter's Church, and a page is turned every week by society members to reveal the story of each man in turn. Apart from my time at Teacher Training College in Winchester, I have lived in Earthenborough all my life, and have seen it change from a busy and vibrant bustling community into which dozens and perhaps hundreds of people poured into work every morning to work in the many shoe factories, tanneries, retail out outlets, quarries, iron and iron ore mine and and Whitworths to what is now simply an expanding dormitory town from which new inhabitants now commute daily to surrounding towns and even to London to work. In the late nineteenth centuries Death watch beetle, wet rot and dry rot infestation was found to be prevalent in the roof beams of St Peter's Church. A massive appeal was launched which was planned to last for six years. Such was the generosity of the local people, groups, clubs and individuals that the debt was paid off within three. When it was realised that the walls of the, of the chancel were in danger of falling, it was necessary to close the church for six months. Um, an immediate invitation was received from Earthenburg Methodist Church for St Peter's congregation to share their premises. The story, I think, sums up Earthenburg very well. The inhabitants are not of a na naturally demonstrative nature, but when support is generally required, be it individual or corporate group, they will rally round the cause. This is why Meg and I have remained in Earthenburg for so long, and plan to continue doing so for quite some time yet.
I worked four evenings a week and a Saturday morning. For this I received one pound, but tips from satisfied customers invariably doubled this amount. The co-op certainly provided an excellent service for the people of Erdinburgh. In those days, with four grocery shops, four butchers, uh, bakery, men's and women's outfitters, furniture, fish shop, cakes and confectionery, travel agency, stationery, toys, pharmacy, as well as taxi and coach hire. A delivery service, second to none, made sure that grocery, furniture and paraffin arrived at a convenient time for the customer and was offered totally free of charge. Bread and cakes were baked daily in their own bakery and delivered daily throughout the town, the Addinsons and to the outlying farms. Daily deliveries of milk were also made. Coal was brought to Earthenborough Station from Earthenborough Station from where it was weighed, bagged and delivered by the coal, coal, coal men. The co-op sorted by an array of other Retail and service outlets in the town meant that inhabitants could be provided with almost everything that they could possibly require. After leaving Wellingborough Grammar School in July 1960, I spent a year gaining teaching experience at Earthingborough County Mixed School and a year at Thrapston Junior School before attending King Alfred's College, Winchester, where I qualified as a teacher specialising in physical education. Then I returned to Earthingborough where I spent three years teaching at the junior school. This was followed by seven years at the newly opened Rus Ruskin Junior School on Queensway in Wellingborough, which catered mainly for children from the overspill families who had moved into the town from London. In 1975 I was appointed Deputy Headmaster of Kettering Avondale Junior School and remained there until my retirement from teaching in 1997. I married Margaret Meg Waterson in Newcastle upon Tyne on the 28th of May 1973, a bank holiday Monday. This had been brought about because Meg was a nurse at Northampton General Hospital and the ward sister would not agree to have her having enough time off to allow us to travel north for a Saturday wedding. Would today's young nurses be so compliant, I wonder? Meg Meg later became a school nurse and then a district nursing sister. We have two children, David born 1974 and Helen born 1977. In 1988, Jackie Minchinton of the Northamptonshire Record Office ran an evening course at Huxley School on 17th century Earthingborough. The course was most enjoyable and informative but, but always struggled to attract the minimal amount of students needed. But with it required, but with attendees being prepared to chip in extra, we were able to pay the fees of the absentee students. In 1990, it was decided that members of the course would continue to meet under Jackie's direction in St Peter's Church, and so Earthenborough Historical Society came into being with Christopher Hill as chairman and Gordon Eccleston as secretary. I was elected chairman of the society in 1992 and was most ably supported for many years by Jean Rowland as secretary and Jennifer Lee as treasurer. The group meets every Tuesday evening except in January and is very much a working group of about 20 members. A large photographic archive has been set up together 
with a very extensive archive of documents relating to the town. Mrs Jackie Morton is the long-serving archivist of the society. Erdenborough is one of the oldest settlements in Northamptonshire and certainly provides the historical society with plenty of projects to research. One of the most recent was the research of the story of every one of the 151 men of the town who made the supreme sacrifices in World War One. A bespoke leather-bound book recording each man is on, a, on permanent display in St Peter's Church and the page is turned every week by society members to reveal the story of each man in turn. Apart from my time at teacher training college in Winchester, I have lived in Earthenborough all my life and have seen it change from a busy and vibrant bustling community into which dozens and perhaps hundreds of people poured into work every morning to work in the many shoe factories, tanneries, retail out outlets, quarries, iron and iron ore mine and and Whitworth's to what is now simply an expanding dormitory town from which new inhabitants now commute daily to surrounding towns and even to London to work. In the late 19th centuries, death watch beetle, wet rot and dry rot infestation was found to be prevalent in the roof beams of St Peter's Church. A massive appeal was launched which was planned to last for six years. Such was the generosity of the local people, groups, clubs and individuals that the debt was paid off within three. When it was realised that the walls of the of the chancel were in danger of falling, it was necessary to close the church for six months. Um, an immediate invitation was received from Earthenburg Methodist Church for St Peter's congregation to share their premises. The story, I think, sums up Earthenburg very well. The inhabitants are not of a naturally demonstrative nature, but when support is generally required, be it individual or corporate group, they will rally round the cause. This is why Meg and I have remained in Earthenborough for so long and plan to continue doing so for quite some time yet. My next contributor is...